Hey guys, welcome to episode 61 of the JV Club with wonderful guest Casey Wilson. I'm so delighted to be releasing this episode. Casey is yet another one of the wonderful, successful friends and actresses I have in Los Angeles who uh, I've been talking about doing the podcast for a year. Um, and we were finally able to lay down the track. I just wanted to be able to say lay down the track, guys, like I was a genuine musician. Um, I want to do some shout outs that can come as no surprise to anyone. Uh, Caitlin, uh, for your email, Tammy H for yours. I'm so glad you're you're swimming. You guys uh, don't know what that means, but Tammy does. So there you go. Uh, Manu in France, bonjour, ma, mon ami. Uh, page C, I love your emails, milady. Nita, thank you so much again for setting up that Tumblr page, guys. There is a JV Club Tumblr, Tumblr page because we needed another form of social media. Uh, Amanda W. in New Zealand uh, on Facebook. Um, on the Bridgetown Nerdist page, Todd, Alec, PJ, Angry Birds, Amy, Timon, Scott, and James. Thanks for your notes. Jessica on Facebook. I'm so glad you enjoyed that live episode. Drina. Oh, Jarena in New York. Thank you so much for sharing and spreading the word about the JV Club to your friends and office mates. That makes me really, really happy. Megan McSee, new listener, reached out on Twitter. Welcome, Megan. Delighted to have you aboard. James B., uh, thank you so much for posting the MASH, uh, that cool online MASH with Vines uh, page. Uh, you sent it to me on Twitter. I posted it on the JV Club Facebook page. Guys, it's cool. If you want to check it out, it's a fun way to play MASH. I would argue that it's not as fun as our categories of MASH, but it's pretty fun nonetheless. Zach with an X, with an X um, on Twitter. Tina on Twitter, uh, Aaron on Twitter, but very delighted to have met you in person as well. Um, Penelope on Twitter, who suggests the janitors. Um, maybe it should be the janitors. <laughs> I just thought of that right during this intro, but there's something really funny about that. Like J A N I T O R S, the janitors. Like you guys are helping clean up the world. <laughs> I can't possibly use this intro, can I? Don't I have to re-record it after I've made such a fool of myself? Why am I so into the janitors right now? Guys, let me know what you think about that. Uh, struggling writer, thank you for the uh, kind words about that uh, minor car accident I had last week. Yeah, still sorting it out with the insurance companies because I don't have to pay for it. But like now the other insurance companies are arguing over who's taking over what part of the repairs to my car. Fascinating, Janet. Fascinating. Really? Tell us more about the accident. Nope, not going to. Mark B., I'm so pleased that you enjoy starting over as much as I do. Thanks for reaching out on Twitter. Um, Okay, now that I've come up with the janitors uh, on my own in this moment, in this intro, I want to introduce that as a possibility, along with club kids, juvies, delinquents, janiteers, and the JV squad. Those are... uh, names that people have come up with for the listeners. I probably have forgotten a couple of good ones too, but I wrote all those down in one place and um, I encourage you to give me your feedback and finally we'll come up with an answer. Please talk me out of the janitors. Right now I'm real into it. We could also form a really big band together. Um, guys, I think that's it. I feel I'm probably forgetting some stuff. Uh, it turns out I did win that Cora uh, voice, voiceover actor award. Uh, the uh, cast of Cora won for best ensemble. Um, that's very exciting. Burning Love won a Webby. God, there's just a lot of great appreciation going on for things that I'm crazy about. And that makes me very happy. I hope you guys are all having a lovely day, whichever day this finds you on. And um, enjoy this episode with Casey. She's a marvel, guys. A marvel. I'll talk to you soon. 
Now entering Nerdist.com. What kind of smoothie is it? Well, the smoothie's in the car. Oh, okay. So that's just a nice coffee. There's too many seeds in it, so this is just an old family. Oh, yeah. Seedy smoothies. So I'm going to... Let me go ahead and guess what the seeds are because I'm thinking about the most unpleasant seeds that end up being in smoothies most often. Strawberry seeds? Yep. Yeah. But also, wouldn't you almost almost rather have strawberry seed than blueberry skin because i feel like i always get like a blueberry skin you know right on i my front thought tooth. that until it happened to me with okay. the strawberry seeds today and now i know how <laughs> now now you know now i know pain interesting so yeah. no on the blueberries but haven't you got the blueberry skin thing sure, happen look, where none you of smile it's great at none of it's great like a black tooth <laughs> yeah a dead tooth i was like looking in my frantically in the mirror before i said people listening to this cannot see these that's my 100 true you're very safe <laughs> i can't have that very safe. Um, what about, are you a celery eater? A, a what? A celery eater? I thought you said a celebratory eater. I was like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, we're really going there. You, you know, Would I'm you a celebratory. I'm a, a celebratory. Do you have a real joie de bad eat? news eater? I'm, I eat during almost. Um, I'm not a celery eater. No, uh-huh. I don't eat a ton of vegetables. So I'm trying to do some juices and, and okay. I got a Vitamix and I've been trying to do more. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, I don't know. Listen, this is always what happens to me if I oh do my the gosh. podcast when I'm hungry. Oh yeah, and Scott is sorry. Scott is trying very hard to charm. Wait, Casey. Did you say this dog's name is Scott? His name is Scott. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't. I should have told you that uh, in advance. Scott. Yep. Scott I love that is, when people um, name animals normal names like Janet or. It's not when. Well, I'll tell you when. Al, uh, this was years and years ago, but when Allison Bree came over the first time to I think podcast with Chris. Uh, he said, this is Janet and this is, and I guess before she understood what was happening, she understood the dog's name to be Janet because sure. it was the first time I ever met her. And, um, and your name it was actually Scott. Quite char- and that my name was Scott. I don't think we got that far. <laughs> It'd be weird if we got that far. But just the idea of seeing, um, yeah, that was a horrible, that was a Lacroix burp. Now I'm not drinking cream soda, which I frequently drink but uh everybody knows i really can't get away from drinking sparkling beverages while i'm podcasting which is just a terrible well, i'll idea. tell you something about la croix or la, la croix. croix is that someone was giving those away in front of the arc light one day someone was giving what? them away like oh. out of like caseloads uh-huh. and i'm never one to turn my nose at a free giveaway yeah. mm-hmm. i had them in the back of my trunk I've come to enjoy them, and I'm now also an aficionado. <laughs> I mean, they're they're quite nice. Now that's just the I was like their ideal ideal passerby. Yeah. I was like, yes, I'll take this in my works. car, and yes, I'll keep buying them. It completely worked. Yeah. Do you? I like the what is it like the it's like a cran or like a raspberry? That's the one they were raspberry. giving away. Was you know they were experimenting Tasty. with the flavors. yeah yeah. This is this is just a plain one, um, which I guess I didn't even know they had plain. When I was at the grocery store yesterday to pick up some Crystal Geyser, realized I could get twelve cans of La Croix for and the called same it price a day. As six bottles of Crystal of, of whatever is Crystal Geyser, whatever it is that I drink that's a sparkling water, Perfect. and I moved on. <laughs> you know, I'm just a as huge this conversation should move on, but I refuse <laughs> right. to. I can well, talk about whatever I want. I'm a huge sparkling water addict, but I'll tell you where I didn't go was to the Soda Stream, and I feel good about that. 
the soda stream yes what you know the soda stream do i i think that's what it's called the jessica st Clairs of the world god love her good friend a lot of people were getting caught up in the soda stream which is that you can make your own sparkling water at home and to that i said no i said i know this I is a fad know that. i mean i know I i'm not gonna know do it you could do that i guess i didn't know i know i'll be the, the failure that i always am with this type of thing and i so can't do that to myself yeah the idea of like i guess i always think of it as like you the chemistry I mean, to sure. put like you are putting what CO two into your water. How are they? How do you make your own sparkling you, you, water? You, it comes with bottles and it looks so cute and cool. And then you put the top on and it and, and it will turn any water, you know, to have carbonation in it. And I just knew it would be <laughs> any a, water, any water. How it many, does. But I know. But like, but, and how, they give what, you flavors like, and all oh, of this. Okay. And everybody was asking for it for Christmas. And look, I wanted it, but I knew my limits. I know I wouldn't do it. Wait, are you saying it turns any water? Like, like, could you like do a juice? Could you do, is that what you're saying I don't know to me? If you're wanting to do a juice. Maybe you are, but I think people would put in some flavors. I, Jessica okay. has mentioned just different flavors, you know, like a strawberry or like yeah. a little thing and you take normal water and it's like the idea being it doesn't go flat. You just throw it in there and make your own, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know about that. I don't know either. And I feel like I don't need any more machines in my That's kitchen what I, mean. I already I just, have machines I don't use. That I'm staring down and that are reminding me of what I'm not doing. I exactly. don't need that. People who, but I, I will say this, and I all do respect to Nickelodeon, and maybe you have some of these too. First of all, <laughs> where is this going? First world problems. First world problems, guys. This yeah, is that I not, turn my nose up at the soda stream. We're turning our noses up at the soda stream. What I'm about to say is like the most bratty thing ever. Um, I want to acknowledge that I feel I can say this because of after a year of podcasting, hopefully people by now know that I'm not totally material. Well, they don't know me, shitty. so they're like, what a, whatever they decide to think of what you a is on that Wilson you. Is. <laughs> hey, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what I'm going to say is that Nickelodeon sends lovely presents every year for your birthday and for Christmas if that's you nice. do a job for them. And um, Hey, ABC, start taking notes. Start taking notes. But. Here's the problem. Oh, Lord. The stuff that they send. Now, when they go technology, it's great. Like, they send, sometimes they'll send, like, like for my birthday, they sent me, like, a Mophie battery juice pack for your phone, which is great because it prolongs your battery's life. Um, I, they that. sent me, like, a, you know, some cool little, like, iPhone sp- or iPad speaker or whatever. Um, iPod speaker. Hello. And, uh, and then, but then they went through, like, a phase where they were sending, like, an ice cream maker. Like one year I got an ice cream maker and I couldn't wait to regift it to a very nice family that I know in Pasadena. But I was like, that's a big, that's a big cumbersome, like specific <laughs> gift. I, mean, I think it has whimsy and I would have liked to receive it. I never would have used it. Absolutely not. But <laughs> it has the charm where I think what they're saying is, Hey, this could be you. I, and we believe I in you. Agree. We believe in you that saying. you could just have the kind of. And and looking at your home, I I wouldn't doubt that you could whip up a mint chocolate chip. That would not even have a soda stream. I don't even have a soda stream. But I think you're cutting. Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. This was not a wonder. I got at least. I might have gotten like a like a bread maker or something one year again, which is like I just am not problematic. But then one year I got. Uh, a a giant super heavy box that I myself could not lift alone and it was mini table tennis it was like a ping pong table now again it i f- it sat i got to tell you garage. nickelodeon 
I'm open for business and I love these <laughs> gifts. I love it. And I think and Janet is a brat. And I, I think know. I have to turn away from Janet when I say this. I think she doesn't deserve what you're giving and forward them over she, to Silver Lake Way. Listen, Casey only, first of all, she didn't turn away from me. She looked slightly to the side of my head and then she <laughs> turned back and made full eye contact with me for the rest of that and winked evil statement that she just made. I know. I prefaced all of this by saying it's a first world problem and, and it is embarrassing. Yeah. I just couldn't, there were things that I didn't have room for that I couldn't use. And I did give I them to that, people but with kids and a lot of people probably have kids and I love getting that What about some of your stuff. listeners might want some of these gems? Well, those things are all pre-podcast. Okay. Now I will get, I will start gifting. Well, I'm sure everyone's waiting the on the edge of their seat to see what, what, what you get crazy next. kooky. Yeah. I think maybe they've got, they, they're out of that phase. Is anyone still listening? That's no, and no one's no. answering. So, no. yes, <laughs> let me explain to you how a podcast works. Um, so ABT doesn't send any, but the, but the, so so we can turn ABC this into sends like me a paycheck economic, every week, which yeah, is which is I'll take. listen exactly. Um, I will say just to you know kind of uh, button up what I was what I was saying about first world problems. Nobody's saying that uh, I shouldn't be completely grateful, and it, how ridiculous it is that. And, um, I don't get much of a paycheck from Nickelodeon, which is totally fine, but I'd actually rather the yeah, more they take money those you make and the more over famous the you are. Yeah. The more famous you are, the more free stuff you're given, which is just one huge thing that's wrong with the world as is so, weird. so many things. And I think the more you start, you want free things, <laughs> not me, but I've seen like people who can very well afford they're like, I got some free lipsticks. Oh my like, gosh. Lipsticks, yeah. girl. Yeah. Go, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, can't you afford that? Like, oh, they make my lips break out, but they were <laughs> exactly. free. Exactly. It's like really you know weird what? stuff. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a slippery Alicia slope. Alicia Cuthbert and I on Happy Endings, we are on our show. I love our show, but it is, uh, I think maybe not an explosive hit and we were very generously given some eos lip balms <laughs> these are the type oh, of things we are saying those i've yeah. been seeing those at home and i love them that they're, and they're, alicia they're was like tweeting cute. her brains out about eos yeah. and i was like i feel like alicia's gotten a lot more stuff than that <laughs> i mean <laughs> she was but like you thank you eos free that you like hey you gotta tweet about it you might as well let everybody know i always say that there are certain things that i wish the podcast would be sponsored by and eos is maybe one of them eos are you maybe it, maybe it could be but i've never even tried it i should probably buy it and they've got it, a lotion that is before not to be believed is that true i work for eos oh my <laughs> um this is getting uncomfortable i guess i didn't realize we were going to be doing endorsements well you know i come with i didn't conditions. know i wouldn't i didn't know i'd be doing endorsements she said sipping her lacroix <laughs> that never happened by the way we had the arc light with lacroix but we're both in a pact with lacroix <laughs> We have to tell these really weird uh-huh. guerrilla marketing, like pretend stories about just things that we do. <laughs> yeah. Did you see, um, what was it? I think it was called like the Joneses or something. Yes. That's a really interesting I loved that movie. movie, right? It's good. And it definitely made me think about the way that things are marketed to us. And if, in case you guys haven't seen it, it's, uh, it was David Duchovny and Demi Moore. And they are this sort of picture perfect family with a a son and a daughter and they move into this affluent neighborhood and they are their sole task as they are not really a family. They're all just actors and like salespeople who have been employed to sell people on their lifestyle, on their lifestyle and all of their items. And like, it's pretty, I got to see it again. I loved it. I thought it was such a creative idea for a movie. It really is. 
it was just like, I loved it. Men would be like, God, he's a great looking guy. And then he's swinging a golf club and they're like, I got to get those clubs. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, I mean, that's how kind of insidious it probably has to be now because people are fast forwarding through commercials and well, even this is maybe a little bit of a leap to take, but I'm thinking about Gwyneth Paltrow's like started this lifestyle business, which is basically just, she is an actress, but is now selling her kind of her kind of I don't know, her lifestyle like yeah it she's is into it's, it's is totally like, that's it's like where her, her platform is yeah it's interesting and I have I feel kind of bad because I I guess I don't owe her anything but I but I I respect her and I have been hearing about like her cookbooks and her blog and you know all of that for such a long time but I only hear about it anecdotally I've never bothered to go to her blog even though I have a gluten allergy so people are like you really might be super into like some of the stuff that she recommends and like raw food but everything I hear is anecdotal and I never follow up and like actually pursue and look into what she's condoning. We'll look at Goop every week. I'll scan Goop. it and okay, then go. Goop. Yeah, called. I'll scan it and then I'll feel like, what is this? But then I'll keep reading. So it's like, I love it and I hate it. Yeah. And her cookbook does make me laugh. The title is called It's All Good. That's right. That just And that just out. sort of makes me laugh because it's like someone was saying like one of the recipes, it's like a dinner is like just like a hard boiled egg. It's like, it's all good. It's all it's good, all baby. Good. <laughs> it's all good. It just makes me laugh. It's like, it doesn't seem like it's all good. It seems like things are actually frighteningly amiss. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But um, yeah, no, I have a fascination and a love as well. Yeah. I gotta, I mean, I gotta get into that. Is she still married to the guy from Coldplay? This mm-hmm. is how little I know about pop culture. Yes. Although I will say, and I just want to out myself, this has nothing to do with you, Casey, but bear with me for a second. I None of this up to this point has nothing to do this. with me. Fairness. None of this. I'm actually going to edit around you and I'm just going to be monologuing for the first 13 minutes of the podcast. I <laughs> hope that doesn't bother you. No. Um, I'll still say something about you. So if that makes you feel better. Perfect. Um, but I, I said... I was ed- I was editing and posted a podcast recently where I was talking about how I was rewatching the whole Wire series, and I was sort of making fun of myself. I was like preemptively making fun of myself because I felt like I was just going to say what everyone's already said about the show, which is like it's the best show ever on television, blah blah blah. But what I ended up saying was. <laughs> I can't believe I'm referencing my own past episode. But what I ended up saying was, and I don't even talk about pulp culture. I don't know how I managed to eke that out, but that is not true. All I do is talk about pop culture. So I'm not sure. I mean, I talk about like your adolescence and I want to get into sort of where you're you're from and all that good stuff. But I, I don't, I, it bothers me to think that any listener would think to, that like, for some reason I have this idea that my podcast is so lofty and important <laughs> that I don't talk about pop culture when like 90% of it ends up being like, <laughs> <laughs> I love Duran Duran. Hey, da, da, da. What are they up to these days? So I just felt like I wanted to say that, you guys. I'm not that uh, out of touch. You know what you are. I, I mean, I, I mean, I just referenced Duran Duran almost like I thought that they were still super relevant, but I was referring to the adolescent I mean, years. They're not current references, but they are references. <laughs> Technically, they're culture references. <laughs> did you listen to Duran Duran when you were younger? I didn't. I wasn't a big Duran Duraner either, but I kind of, my, my cousin had a, uh, obsession with them. And so I would look at her posters and listen to them when I was with her and like pick which one I had a crush on. But then I <laughs> forgot about them the second I would leave there. I was, and this has really hampered me. Imagine how I am now at the time only listened to the parents, the music my parents listened to growing up. Okay. And so, well, what do they listen to? I mean, I'm like still like 
gotta listen to Simon and Garfunkel in the car. Like nobody's gonna complain about nobody's that in this gonna room. complain. But I listened like growing up, it was just like all musicals, and then like Simon and Garfunkel and like Bruce Springsteen, and um, and mainly musicals. I mean, that's the sad truth of it. But like okay. James Taylor and like Dolly Parton and Patsy Cline, I, and like a lot of old Southern. At least you had parents. I mean, those are that's that's it's good all, music. It's music I can stand behind one hundred. Yeah, that's good music. I feel like a but lot I'm, of people. I feel like parents... I missed all the kind of popular music that was going on when I was growing up. Okay. So what, so if, for example, when I was in high school, so that it's interesting because June kind of said the same thing about her high school experience, like what she was into. I was like into Billy music. Joel. I mean, I was, I mean, a dork, obviously. Know, but you know, there's nothing wrong and, with like, that. And like the sound of music and like rent. <laughs> okay. I don't have a problem. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. And I also, my, those are all everything that you list. Well, not so much the Dolly Parton and Patsy Cline, but my dad had really cool taste in music. Um, but he definitely was like a huge Billy Joel fan. And that was like the music that he and I could both listen to together. Billy Joel is great crossover music. It's great. We both don't have the same taste, but we've crossed over there. Yeah. On yeah. a car ride. Yeah. But then, then that stuff matters, right? And also my boyfriend is a humongous Bruce Springsteen fan, as so many people are. But I mean, diehard, rabid. Is he from like Jersey and no. stuff? No. He's from Chicago. <laughs> but that's, still, that's still a working class. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Although he didn't grow up exactly I wanted to, I could've, working class. I think I was almost trying to sound like Bruce Willis, just that. Uh, Bruce Willis, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> First of all, Bruce Willis would say it like this. I don't know. I can't do a Bruce Willis impression, but I was like, that's kind of a working class city. Like, I think I thought I was almost doing. And he was always like making fun of Billy Joel. And I said, why don't you take a listen? Because both of them to me seem, and this is bold, inspired by musical theater. They're both telling these story songs that I could just see someone cheesily belting it out. You turn it one little centimeter and it's like, oh, this is a musical. Yeah. If somebody with a different voice than Bruce Springsteen, (laughs) I think he gets away with more and is less musical sounding because of his voice. Whereas Billy Joel sounds more like, you know, what you would associate with that. But he does. I was, I always think about that when I listen to Billy Joel, like he's so theatrical and you just don't get that anymore. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I always love saying what person who, I mean, and guys feel free to reach out, you know, I love your feedback, but can you name me someone who is like current, new, fresh, who also would like make sound effects like in Allentown? Like who's going to be like, Ooh, Ooh, I know. ah." And what I love, my boyfriend and I die laughing. We listen to Billy Joel all the time and sing alternate lyrics, which is like, in Vietnam, I wasn't there, of course, because my dad got me out of it. But like every, <laughs> he's singing about, he's like, you know, um, the down east or Alexa, I'm not me, this is someone else. Like, <laughs> it, it just kills me. Like all his lyrics are about seemingly like, we were like, oh, he didn't live so, yeah, any super of personal, this. Super personal, super painful, like the working class. But it's like, I think you were in upstate New York. You were all set. Somebody's got to be the voice for the masses. And he's doing it willingly, yeah. He definitely. Definitely. Well, so where did your boyfriend land with him? Did he decide that he could get on board? He could get on board. I don't think he thinks he's quite as cool as Springsteen, but yeah. I don't know that anyone thinks he's as cool as Bruce. I don't think so, no. But I think he's come to like a couple of his songs. I didn't listen to that much Bruce Springsteen when I was growing up. My dad did listen to some. It's kind of depressing. That wasn't, yeah. I have great respect for him. He's a national treasure. I love him. I don't find it that uh, there's not a huge window, I think, in for a woman with Bruce Springsteen. Personally, whereas I think there is much more with that. Billy Joel. But, That's um, true. That's actually a really good point. That's a good... Um, not that I don't appreciate him, but it, there's not a ton there for me as yeah. much as, you know, 
I don't know. You didn't work at a coal, coal mine? No, I'm I did not. not. Listen to me. I'm not even sure what the songs are about. I just know that it's hard work. No, they're all, a lot of them are about just like kicking up your shades and putting on your okay. like top stuff. <laughs> and, well, hard Some work of the lyrics relax. Oh, what is that one song my friend and I make? Oh my God. The one that's like, you know, the kind with the velvet collar and diddy bop oh, shades. Billy. Oh, Billy. Yeah. Billy. Oh, yeah. Kind with the velvet collar and diddy, diddy bop, bop shades. shades. Keeping the faith. That's that keeping the faith is the worst of Billy. It's pretty bad. The best is like, anything on songs in the attic i think it's called i'm like uh summer at highland falls it's a deeper cut but it is a deeper it cut. is I don't the know most beautiful the, mm. song everybody loves you now i don't I know think he either. wrote that about christy brinkley it's about her getting fame and him having to deal okay. with it okay he has some really great dark songs i love well unfortunately no keeping the faith isn't oh maybe it is god i can't remember but the song but the <laughs> album like, that i listen to drinks. most <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this work before River of Dreams. Was there something before that? Um, no, I think, I mean, other than like the early like pressure and like those kinds of songs, um, my dad, I think I'm afraid keeping the faith might be on this, but my dad was a huge fan of the album Innocent Man, which oh, is yeah. what has like, you know, Innocent Man is an girl song. and tell her about it and all sure. that i mean when you I mean, look scenes, at that album scenes from every an single song is like a number one hit of course i mean scenes from an italian restaurant is about is a story song of epic such epic proportions to me yeah. it's so silly but so amazing are you an are you an east coaster i am um i grew up outside dc in virginia and alexandria oh, okay yeah i don't know why i don't it couldn't be more East Coast, but I, I don't think of it. Virginia is weird, right? Weird because it's not state. really. Yes. Some people are like, I'm from the South when they talk Neither. about Virginia. Like they That's honestly why I do always say DC, not to fool people, people but just yeah. because it, I grew up in, my parents were in politics. My dad was actually, everyone's going to stop listening, <laughs> a Republican. My mom was a huge Democrat, but they were in politics, but everyone in our town was it's a huge Democratic kind of liberal town. Oh, that's outside cool. Of DC. Yeah. And it's close to DC. It's not like, because that's minutes. the other thing is rural Virginia. Talk about a state that has like completely different, completely different. And Virginia is such a beautiful state actually, but it is, I mean, you could drive one hour and you're in a completely different, you know, cause we grew up where a lot of people in politics lived like, in the suburb of DC, you know? So was your dad in, I mean, um, or were either of your parents like other both? Than- are well my mom was a huge feminist and ran this women's rights organization well women's organization called the national women's political caucus which was to get women elected Mm -hmm. and so she and then she was kind of one of the champions of the equal rights amendment trying to get it passed this was all when like reagan was in office and trying to get geraldine ferraro nominated and it was just a she was very big on getting women elected, be them Republican or Democrat. Yeah. And then my dad was a, is is still to this day a Republican political consultant. So he oh, makes okay. political so commercials. Very much involved. Very much. My dad makes those commercials that's like, I'm Paul Ryan and I approve this message. Yeah. Hang on just a sec. So it, it's interesting that your mom did that because it makes me think of this email that I just recently got from a listener who was who kind of wanted to know... This is this almost fits into. We're, I was joking about having like I'm not really joking, actually, kind of being serious about having sort of a, like a Q and A or like an advice section of the podcast because um, I get a lot of notes from people who are like, "This is what kind of what I'm going through," and um, either you know, thanks for helping me feel less alone, or also kind of like, "What would you do in this situation?" But I did recently get a an email from someone who said, "Do you feel like?" the way that women of a certain age and younger discuss feminism is this sort of like apologetic, like he gave the example of like, 
you know, that, that young girls say, yeah, this is, this is, yeah. Oh, interesting. This is a guy. Yeah. Guy's question. Um, although I will say he's a very sensitive man. Uh, we would have to be to email that. But that, that, that he said like, you know, that he feels like he's overheard a lot of statements from younger women, like women in their twenties saying like, I mean, I'm not one of those crazy feminists, but you know what I mean? So even as they're sort of standing up for themselves or saying that they feel like something's wrong, they feel like they have to preface it by saying like, I mean, I'm not a feminist. I'm just saying this doesn't seem right or what have you. Like, what do you think about that? I think that sort of makes me sad in a way because I think, first of all, I think, and I'm not someone, well, now I'm saying it. I'm like, and I'm not someone running around. <laughs> You're not one of those crazy feminists. But I am. And, and, and if I do need to have that label, I will happily take it. But I am a feminist. And I think every person on earth should be a feminist, every man and every woman. And I think so many rights were fought for, you know, for, for so many years from so many women that I think it was such a different time. Even my mom's generation, I think someone said something, I read an article that was interesting that said, um, a lot of times now, if you have a, a female boss, she's much more maybe supportive or understanding. And in an older generation that women weren't even at the point where they could necessarily even support other women. And so that to me is we've come so far that I think people forget that we have come so far and they've now turned it into, it's so ingrained in us that we kind of are feminists that people then don't identify in that way, Mm -hmm. which I think is sort of sad and misses the mark. I think, I think saying that you're a feminist should have, at least to me, no negative connotation of anything crazy or anything too much or anything. I think it's just saying by saying you're a feminist, it means that you believe in equal rights for men and women. And so I, I've heard a lot of women say that too. And I, I get the idea of, I think more of the issue is women never wanting to feel too much or that they're being mean or that they're, that to me is, I think what women are a lot of times scared to come Mm -hmm. off as Mm -hmm. and somehow feminism has gotten caught up with angry. Yeah. People, people associate it with anger. Like, Oh, you're an angry person. You're a bitter person. I think it's actually the most compassionate and fair and graceful way to be is to be a feminist. I think there's nothing angry about it there's I only love everything something that's coming out of your mouth right thank now. you yeah i agree and and i think i just read uh cheryl sandberg mm-hmm. i want to say her book lean in um mm-hmm. the who you know she works for facebook i think sandberg hope that's right um and i'll admit i opened it kind of feeling what is this going to be you know is this going to be homework or school yeah you know, cause I, I minored in women's studies and I was just like, Oh Lord, I want to read this and I know I should read this. But then I was so surprised at her whole thing is that women, you know, simply put need to lean in more. And instead of when women have babies or they think about getting married, the instinct is to pull back of like, I need to protect myself. I need to make sure I have time for my family. I need to make sure I have time for my kids. And I don't even have kids, but I can already sense that inclination, yeah. that, that, that feeling, which is fear of not being able to do everything. And so you instinctively lean back and she's saying, you don't know what'll happen. Try leaning in and then see where that takes you. Interesting. And I thought it was so inspiring and so beautiful and she could not be more positive. And she also did say a lot of women are, can be too harsh. And there is something actually beautiful about bringing, being a woman and bringing a feminine side to business and Mm -hmm. to work. And, Mm -hmm. but she you know, she just brought up so many examples in her world and Facebook and obviously it's Silicon Valley and such a different world from our world of acting. But, you know, she'll have meetings where women will just sit on the sidelines of the conference. They won't even sit at the table and she'll say, come sit at the table. Like Hmm. that women instinctively sometimes don't feel that they deserve to be there or there, or she says there'll be a raise that's 
you know, has come up or, or a promotion and women will be like, well, here's why I think I deserve this. And that she said men are beating down her door Mm -hmm. to tell her all their attributes. And it's just interesting, the difference of men and women. And I don't even think it's necessarily bad. I think sometimes when men, men are so, to me, they stand exactly where they are. They're just like, yeah, this is me. And at, well, sorry, this is such a long thing, but no, 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 it's exactly um, what was after. Damon Wayans Jr. is an actor on Happy Endings with me and a dear friend and he's the kindest man in the world. But we laugh all the time at the two of our different reactions to things as they happen. One time, um, our boss told us, he said, you know, you guys, we, we, we cast you both in the room. Like right when you came in, we all said to each other, you got it. And at the same time, I go, oh, really? Are you sure? Are you serious? <laughs> I go, you're lying. And Damon's like, yeah. Oh, like, hell yeah, wow. you cast me right in the room. And Damon's not this arrogant person. Yeah. And another time when uh, we both weren't knowing our lines very well, I go, you guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I don't have my lines. And Damon goes, Casey, why are you apologizing? In my head, I'm like, I'll get my damn lines when I get them, everybody. And it's not, yeah. it's not that Damon is this egomaniac. It's just sometimes I think men and women inherently come women come from a place of apology and a place of fear yeah i mean i was just it's funny because i was just talking to this ties into to the last episode that um just aired uh that came out yesterday with lucy davis from the office who um and Shaun of the dead i should say and many other things but <clears throat> we were talking about crying and in, in public and uh and so these guys have all heard this episode probably by now but um she was talking about how uncomfortable she is you know crying in front of people and um and then it that led into the conversation of us like acknowledging that we both if we are crying in front of other people spend a tremendous amount of energy apologizing for the fact that we're crying in front of people as well as crying in front so this is sort of like mixed up like lucy actually was just like saying what she does which is like I'm so sorry i don't know what's wrong with me you know and uh and so that that comes up for me too this idea of like you know how and i did a segment on half post live uh about crying at work where it's like you know speaking of bringing feminism into and femininity into the workplace like why is it a sign of weakness to feel emotional about something and and if you're making like i do wonder that practicality quote unquote and like practical decisions that men somehow feel women can't make because they're just going to make emotional decisions i feel like i have guy friends who were so stubborn and so willful and so not in touch with their feelings and incapable of seeing past being right all the time that they would be making emotional decisions faster than someone like I would who maybe needs a cry about something, yeah. but who can come up with a, with like more of an organic, like honest answer than yeah. the guy who's just going to be like, no, it has to be this because God forbid he be wrong about something. And so what's the difference? You know, I mean, why is one okay and totally one isn't? Right. I think to cry is to actually acknowledge how you feel and, and let it out and then hopefully move through it and move on. And that to me is just part of living. You know, I, I do feel two ways about it. Well, June and Diane Rafel, we've had on the show and, um, Daniel Schneider, a friend, we made a video for funny or die called crying in public, which is just, Oh, this is great. Yeah. A hundred people that I'm not certainly not plugging in. It came out a long time ago, but a hundred people just crying in public. Uh-huh. And, and it's interesting what you say about, I, I think it's women on top of feeling whatever you're feeling. There's then the, like, I'm sorry, I'm feeling this way. I'm and, putting and that I don't this think on guys you. Have. I'm making yeah. you uncomfortable with my feelings. And guys are just like, yeah, I'm angry right now. Or I'm sad right now, but 
there's not that extra added layer of, and how are you perceiving that I'm feeling this right. way? Right. And I think women honestly are the hardest on themselves. I Agreed. think it's more just, and Cheryl Sandberg, I'm sorry to keep talking about lean in, but she said one day she cried in front of Mark Zuckerberg, I guess. And she was so embarrassed or, or, or some, another boss. She was so embarrassed and she was like, this is it. I have shown my cards. I am at rock bottom in terms of Yes, I am a woman. And now mm-hmm. everyone knows it. And, it's, mm-hmm. and she said, actually, the response was, at times, it's met with, you know what? You're crying because you care. Yeah. And you're passionate. Yeah. At the very same time, though, uh, June, Rafael and I are writing partners. And we've been dealing with a producer, I will say, who has, uh, as will cry, a, a woman. And it at some points, I think women do cry to be manipulative and I know mm. I've done it. I mean, mm. I know I've done mm-hmm. it, you know, where you kind of manage to make it so there, the conversation cannot move forward mm-hmm. because you victimize yourself. So I think as if you're, I feel like I, if I'm going to cry, I hope it's coming from a place of just like, I really care so much and I'm passionate and I'm upset and I cry a lot and I don't feel yeah. ashamed about it. But there is sometimes where I try to just know that as a woman crying is, you know, you have to be careful not to manipulating people. I, I think. think that's a good point. I think that's a really good point. Well, so with your mom being who she was, do you have brothers and sisters? I, I have remember. a brother. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> uh, what is your, how, uh, what's the age difference and who's older? My brother is three years younger okay. and he lives in San Francisco and he is a mechanical medical device engineer. Ooh, <laughs> I cannot even add. And he, <laughs> <laughs> I really have trouble in that department, but He's, um, has a, he's the CEO of a company where he's making a medical device to kind of help. It's called intervene and it's basically helping people with very, very chronic and horrible vein problems in their lives where they can't walk and things. That's so great. He's doing, he's doing something for society in the world, just like me with my LaCroix. I know. Listen to you. (laughs) That's listen yeah. uh, already. Here you go apologizing for what you do. Yeah. Um, cause you're a woman and you feel you need to take care I've of the world. I've also been crying through all of this. I hope everyone knows. Yeah. I've oh kept my gosh. it out of my voice, but She's, my mascara yeah. is running down my yeah, face. Yeah. It's impressive. I don't know how to feel about it because on one hand, <laughs> I'm so impressed that it doesn't nice show up it. in her voice, but on the other, she's definitely just bawling. <laughs> um, but so what was, in terms of the dynamic of your family, um, did you feel like that was something that was instilled in you on a regular basis just by virtue of your mom's personality and kind of how she contributed her part of the, you know, the family dynamic and how your dad did? And Absolutely. did your brother, was your brother really aware of that? Was there, a, you know, no one under our of- roof was not aware of <laughs> my mom's passionate work. Yeah, she's for one women. Of angry feminism. Yeah. Feminism, she was huh? a real bitch. No, <laughs> no, I'm totally, totally kidding. My mom was the best. Uh, she was so committed and yeah, I think it doesn't, you, you can't raise kids if that's your life's work and not, you know, my brother is one of the most sensitive guys I know and he's straight and he's very much a man, but he's also so supportive of women. And I think it's just, you can always tell that guy that you feel comfortable and safe around, but that, I don't know. It sounds like I'm in love with my brother. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that guy that you you just, you look across the breakfast table and you're like, what about you and me? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. My brother and I have a pact if we're both 40 and unmarried. Um, (laughs) No, Um, but I just think you can tell when a man has been raised by a strong woman. I think they have such respect and compassion for women. And I think that's, you know, beautiful um, quality. Do you, and do you feel like your the way that you were right? I mean, did that have a direct impact? Because you know, 
when you're in, uh, when you're a teenager, certainly for me in high school, like, I don't know that I was necessarily really conscious about choices that I was making. I mean, I wasn't really thinking through really any choice that I was making. Um, and a lot of it is sort of how you are acclimating to your own hormones and also to whatever your expectations are of like romantic relationships or sex and all that kind of stuff as it's sort of mapping itself out when you're in high school with the kind of upbringing that you had and with a mom like you had, do you feel like at that point in your life that was informing like the crushes that you had or the relationships you got into versus your girlfriends? Do you see a difference? I do. I mean, I think that's a good question. I sort of never really thought about that till now, but I think because you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's okay. All right. I gave you I gave you my thanks. Let's <laughs> let's move along. Um but I think because my mom was such a feminist and I do think that I grew up feeling like I had worth and probably in some ways maybe <laughs> too much so, you know, but my mom never put really any emphasis on looks in a way. And I really do appreciate that. I mean, I think she always told me that I was beautiful, but it was so kind of secondary to being funny and being smart. And I have to say, I don't totally feel my sense of humor has come from like that dark place of like feeling marginalized or something. Mm -hmm. But my dad was then such a feminist and was my Girl Scout leader until I was a senior in high school. You're welcome, everyone. Um, this is you were so in Girl dorky. Scouts till you were a senior. I was. In I, Girl Scouts I wasn't. I, was I don't even remember being offered the choice. So I'm always well, not only in it, but then in... it's another la- layer when your father is the Girl yeah. Scout leader. But all that is to say, I never have dated a bad guy. Like I've dated guys that you know, things didn't work out, but I've never, ever sought out like a bad boy. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm missing out. I'm sure I am. But I, I for whatever reason, I, I don't have any daddy issues on in that way. And I feel so grateful for that and blessed because I always felt my dad supported me and thought I was enough. And same with my mom. And I think that came from my, my both my parents being very uh, vocal feminists mm-hmm. that I grew up feeling like I'm worth something and I don't even, I, I, I just didn't have that pull. I had other problems, of course, but I did not have that pull towards a bad guy who would treat me wrong because I was so in place with my parents. Mm-hmm. And there were other issues too. I'm certainly not trying to say it was like life was rosy over what at 1402 Orchard. Do you mind saying what uh, any pr- actual problems that you sort of had? Like, well, did you- I was very sensitive yeah. and very sensitive. And, yeah. you know, I would just be eaten up and I still am to some degree eaten up with anxiety over actually more issues with girlfriends always was more my thing. And I think even from doing Girl Scouts and I'm still best friends with the six girls that I went through the whole thing with. And when we did Girl Scouts, it wasn't about like macrame and we did like um, backpacking trips. And I feel like I missed out, man. I whitewater like rafting, I really enjoy much more like mountain climbing. Yeah, it was it's an so athletic. Cool. It's it was a great, really cool. It's a great environment. It's a great group. It seems like a really great group of people that, that I can't potentially, say enough about Girl Scouts. Yeah. And I just didn't even. I mean, I can't. Like no one asked me. No one ever you said. Didn't even get asked. No one. I, I I didn't have any friends that I knew of that were Girl Scouts. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, look, my were parents we the, were asked we the me coolest group. I don't know that, but I do think we managed to be somewhat cool and in Girl Scouts. It, we, yeah. we had to, it was riding a very fine line. But you know what's weird is like my mom is Mormon and Scouts are very important for, for, oh, really? Like, I mean, certainly, well, certainly boys. I hate to be like, yeah, surprise, surprise with the Mormon religion, but I felt like every guy I knew was a Scout, but I don't remember ever 
I don't know. It was just never yeah. an option. I, I feel mean, like my I dad would loved it. I would have loved Scout like, and Eagle Scout. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I learned camping and survival skills I and such loved a, that, I and going think. to the woods with your girlfriends and doing skits. I mean, for yeah. me, the skits was the main, that's sort of how I got into acting, but, uh, it was a really magical time. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but I was very sensitive and, and my mom, as strong as she was, I think that type of force and power, um, she had a, a political talk show and she was very beautiful and very, very strong, very mm. passionate, very funny, really kind of, sometimes I think of her as if anyone's seen Terms of Endearment, the Shirley MacLaine character. Oh, I totally get it. Sure. She was really, uh, my mom passed away about five years ago, actually. And I'm, for any listeners, really regretting jokingly referring to as a bitch as you can oh my gosh uh, yeah, but i was kidding no. that's what that happens all the time okay. on on the podcast as we all say <laughs> everyone calls like, someone a bitch we couldn't be being more ironic but then i know but then we're head, like I was please like, I let everyone be a hundred percent sure that, that couldn't have been further from the truth let me be clear um but i think then that kind of i think for my mom harnessing that type of passion and power and she was just so strong that i think it the, the, the it, when it swings back the other way it can be um my mom would just be like very drained of energy and just mm-hmm. have to like stay in bed sometimes and so there was you know i don't want to say manic but just something on it well i think that's yeah i mean that's it's interesting because i don't want to um I don't want to call us out on the conversation that we just had about leaning in, but ultimately it is hard to have everything. Oh, yeah. And so sometimes you might have to lean out in taking the form of like, you have to stay in bed or sometimes your kids do, you know, depending on how whole hog you go on something in one direction, there is going to be that sort of give and take. And so you have Absolutely. to, you do have to know that, you know, if you are, someone else was saying this on the podcast, I can't remember who it was, but somebody made the, the very salient point of like, if you're going to be, the very best at something, if you're going to be a CEO of a mm. huge company, the chances that you're going to be able to do that and be also the best mom that ever was, there's only so many hours in a day mm-hmm. and you have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And so it, it, there is a question of like, but that's true for a man, a woman, anyone. But it's even like that if, idea if, of taking it, care of yourself, I, I don't think, I think is fairly new in terms mm, of women. Like you need to really point. take care of yourself because I actually think my mom didn't know how to do that. And so the only thing she could do to exhaustion. Is just would like have to just like lie in a dark room for a couple yeah. days. And as a kid, so it was, it was just like, I'm watching my mom conquering, you know, work and even motherhood. I mean, her mom was my grandma was almost an agoraphobic and my mom's dad was in the Navy. So they moved like 17 times. So my mom was coming from a place of never having her parents at a sporting event, never having her parents anywhere. She was always having to ask for rides from kids. She didn't even know their parents and feeling Mm -hmm. that embarrassment of like just that idea. And so she developed this hysterical fun personality because she sort of needed to like, I, I don't have, you know, she didn't have those connections and those friends and her parents weren't arranging rides and all of that. So then my mom, she got the nickname from my friends, Kathy, I'll do anything for my daughter Wilson because she was like everything and just like so intense. And I think everyone, I don't have kids again, but I think you're just going to try to swing the other way, like Mm -hmm. from your parents. And, but then I think then there's, you're right. Like the other side of that is an exhaustion and, and not really, I think knowing totally how to take care of herself from giving so much. And it does sound like in terms of, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess I do. I guess I'm a Freudian enough in the idea that probably 
relationships that you have and friendships that you have do mirror in some way what you experience with your parents with a mother and father figure and so being that you brought up the sort of you make good relationship choices because you had you didn't have daddy issues so to speak um but that some of your sensitivities leaned more on the mom side you know the sort of mom side slash female girlfriend side it does seem like with her as a role model too as a young person who doesn't necessarily has, doesn't have it all together yet. Cause you're not supposed to, cause you're not supposed to know exactly who you are yet and all that, that that's a big force. That's a big force to look at and maybe be intimidated by or be confused by, or, you know, be completely enthralled by, but to feel the sense of worry that maybe you won't measure up or you won't be all of that. And that that could come out in your female relationships, your relationship with friends in the way of sensitivity or something like that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, but yet you still have these, you know, six best girlfriends that you were in scouts. Absolutely. But I, I I often currently cast my best friends as my mom where I'm like, suddenly they're mad at me and that nothing's gone on or I really struggle with that now, which is if I haven't heard from someone. And I think part of it is also my mom having passed away very suddenly. It's just this something's wrong. I I really struggle with that. And, and just that feeling of, you know, with a big personality, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. And so my brother and I are both very kind of people pleasers and mm. try to appear normal at all times and never want to stand out too much. Yeah. And I think that is, despite being literally having chosen being an actor, I try not to ever stand out. And it's a, those things are so obviously at war with each other. And normally when I hear actors say like, I'm shy, I'm like, Oh fuck you. not shy. (laughs) But in in that case, but when I think about it, I understand that. Yeah, it does make sense. And I think I sort of felt the same way because that's not been my relationship to performing has never been that like, it's my outlet because of my, yeah, because of my regular life, I'm shy or whatever. I was pretty outgoing. Um, and very comfortable with adults and sort of, you know, being around people in public and stuff. And, um, so I didn't, yeah, as, especially as a younger person, I was like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know who that actor is. That's really shy. And then they just shine and come alive on stage. But in so many, uh, instances, even of just talking to people on this podcast, hearing what their adolescence was like and some of the differences and recognizing that, there are situations in which you are so uncomfortable in your own skin that it truly is like the place where you just let go. You put, you don't have to think about your own life. You're thinking about someone else's, you're thinking about the craft, whatever. And that that is this total escape and and means of like, you know, well, and I got, I got into it because when, when I was really little and I didn't understand what my parents did, people would say, what do your parents do? And I'd say they're bosses. And I knew, and I said, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a boss. And so my dad, this is very Pollyanna, but literally found these like velvet curtains in our attic and then built me a stage in the backyard, like this rinky dink. Oh my gosh. I know. It's so cute. It's it's, it's, it's annoying. And so (laughs) I would write and direct and star in these shows in the backyard and fire kids. I mean, I would march over their house if they didn't know the lines and I was a boss. And that to me was kind of, I remember feeling like this is my world Mm. out here on the pavement in the backyard backyard you know yeah. like i'm charging money i'm for the tickets and That's so my funny. parents would have to then go around and clean up messes and take me to people's houses and say please apologize messes like vomit when kids drank too much yeah, the shows no, and- no but like when i and then i would shamelessly it was the most confidence i ever had when i was little i would take fire someone for not knowing the lines and then boldly take the part <laughs> <laughs> 
thought nothing of it. I thought this is business, baby. I'm like, you don't know your lines. And like my mom would have to tell me you cannot do that. So <laughs> now I, I would just it. be all over myself. I'm so sorry. Yeah. What can what I do? What am I doing? Are the lines not good enough? Exactly. I wrote them. I should definitely rewrite In them. In some so ways, I'm like, I would love to have that kind of confidence where I, I, you know, could just boldly step in that direction of. <laughs> no, that's a really good point, though. I think there is stuff that we sort of, there's so much that we gain, but there are things that we lose a little bit once we do become more sensitive to others or become. Well, and I think the major thing about being an actor that actually, uh, I think this relates to being feminist and feeling confident is when I was on Saturday Night Live and I was fired basically, or just not, not us back. I felt so exposed and so embarrassed and so kind of all that went on was just, it was kind of a mess. And I felt like up until then I had been just almost confident where you don't even know where it's coming from. It's just sort of, I thought I was funny and, you know, and it was such a shattering in terms of just your sense of self. And that I think happens to the actor in a way that, and I'm not saying that everyone's job isn't hard because it is anyone's job. I might never do anything else, but there's just this review. You come up for review over and and over again. It's not your work. Exactly. It's you as a person. And you're kind of kind of up for review publicly. And I think that even as all these foundations I've had, there's just a sense of like, you do not have control and you have to really give over to how people perceive you. Yeah. And I think I just, I, I really wasn't in the the frame of mind to have been on the show in a way. And I think, I don't know how you did it. I, any friend of mine who's ever done the show, I always am like, I don't know how people survive that experience, even when they have a really positive experience, just because so much of it would require of me things that are not like me to do, like to fight for my fight for my characters, to fight for my sketches to I'm, I feel like I'm so collaborative and like Kumbaya and I like being awake in the morning and not at night. And I like Los Angeles. I I love New York. Everything that you would want, it was, I would have to do like a 180. And so I'm always so impressed with friends of mine that get through it. And the on one other thing I'll say, and I know that you've been told this a thousand times, but it's my podcast, so I feel like I want to acknowledge this as well, is that it's funny because when that happened, it was such a part of the – to me, what I heard in the cultural zeitgeist, and I'm talking about people – who aren't in showbiz, just friends of mine who watch the show or whatever. Everyone just thought of SNL as being like not female friendly and not, and not supportive and like not acknowledging and giving opportunity to the people that it supposedly was acknowledging and giving opportunity to. So anytime, because so many women were let go in uh, are let go that everyone from my perspective, again, I'm not trying to soothe like your wounded spirit because it's been so long and you're on a successful show. And like, I'm a huge fan of yours, but that even as you're experiencing something thinking, everyone probably thinks I'm blank, you know, here is like, what I kept hearing was like, Oh my God, she was so great. SNL so stupid. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, but it's interesting how, like I was saying, we blame ourselves. I, I can't accept that because I can't accept that that could be the truth in a way because my brain is just so kind of oriented towards what did you do wrong? I get it. I get and, it. and also I think it might be too painful to live in a world in which, and I'm just thinking about this now that to live in a world where the idea is that that could be the case as given how I grew up with my mom, mm-hmm. I, I cannot believe I'm crying. I don't know why. Have people cried on this podcast before? 
Did you like, listen you're to the, the first episode? episode? <laughs> yeah, I did. Actually. I think all we did was ball okay, our eyes out on that fine. episode and Elizabeth Lane. I don't know why I'm crying. But basically, I think it, but like, it would be oh, too painful to accept that truth. So that. instead, oh I will. Oh my God, I can't believe you're more willing. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> I can't believe that we live in a world where... It feels somehow safer to well, beat I ourselves take up. My responsibility. I get that, but like, thank you. My, I guess, my, I guess my reality is we do live in that world because I feel like I have seen, I have seen close up from so many people that I respect and love that like there's so much arbitrary shit that happens that especially this business is. I think I say this all the time, but I feel like in a weird way this business just is a magnifying glass of like anybody who has a job in a graphic design firm, anybody in an architecture firm, anybody who's a nurse, anybody who's where the way in which things that are unfair project themselves is just much more visible and identifiable in show business. But I do feel like, unfortunately, I do feel like we live in a world where you could be the best at something and be wonderful and for a reason that has nothing to do with your talents and your gifts or your hard work, it could be taken away from you. And that is really sad and really scary. But I also feel like it can't be up to each one of us to feel like it's always our fault. Yeah. I really appreciate you saying that and I am hearing that. I really am. And I think... Luckily, I having gotten on happy endings, I I see it's such a great show in that all three female parts get to be so funny, and I'm so grateful for that. And and not for myself, but for what it is, which is you know so many roles on television are like the woman that's like you're being you know is my husband really this crazy and funny? Oh, no, I, I know that I always how crazy that. and funny like, he is. I have to go out for like the blonde blue hair, you know the yeah. bl- 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 blonde blue eyed girl who's like it, she's got to be funny. And then you look at the sides, and all it is is reactions to someone else to being a wacky funny. husband. And you're like, well, in what ways does this require me to be funny? Yeah, in no exactly. way. And and that's why it was it's such a different experience that I feel the universe that kind of countered with this gift of um, getting to be funny every day and and all the women getting to be funny. Yeah. And so... And that it's not a competition and a... It's no. Not, yeah, and it's not that kind of world. Just that, like, the, the show is, is... That's what that show is about. Everyone getting to be funny, man or woman. And so it's it's hard to accept what you're saying. You know, I think that is a part of the SNL experience and I think that's a part of everyone's life, but it can also be a different way too. Yeah. Should we play a game of MASH? Sure. I'm very excited about this. Actually, let's do the cootie catcher. I always like to do the cootie catcher first because MASH is kind of a long, um, it takes a little bit longer and that's way we can do one of these questions. So let's start with this. I'm very excited for people to pick some new questions. I This is a new one. So there's... Um, questions in here that have never been asked unless you ask unless you decide on choosing the same number that other people have in which case guys i'm sorry but it's really a so i pick a color right yeah okay green okay g-r-e-e-n <laughs> two one two another number five one two three four five one last number four four i don't think four i think four has not been asked yet this is exciting oh for sure this has not been asked when i was 16 my celebrity crush was blank 
Matt Damon, Courage Under Fire. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. 100%. Fantastic immediate answer. And when I'm 32, the answer is the same. I was going to say, I mean, he really holds up. He holds that's a up. Good, that's Matt a good Damon one. Matt Damon is with me. He's, he he's with me through and through. As you can see, never, <laughs> never, never liked him. a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> I liked Michael J. Fox and Matt Damon. I know. Michael J. Fox. Oh, what a doll. What a doll. I did like the... Interesting, because I feel like I never went for the bad guys in life, but... I think I would let that crush happen with the bad guys like on film and stuff, but never like the, but I don't mean like uh, these guys already know, but when I say bad guys, I don't mean like Matt Dillon and drugstore cowboy. I mean like Hannibal Lecter. Oh, I mean like I went through a phase where I was like the sexiest people were like killers. It's so horrible. I mean, I don't even know who that person is. I mean, yeah. My idea of a bad guy is like John Travolta in Greece. (laughs) (laughs) So sad. Watch out. Watch out. That guy might smoke cigarettes Uh, once in a while. That guy might use too much hair grease, Casey. I used (laughs) to really watch out for that guy. He will sing too loud. Um, Well, I'm going to start out then with the boys. Mine as well. All due respect to uh, the man in your life, but this is MASH, so... He's going to have to deal with it. I've got Matt Damon on here. The question is, I also need another pen. Um, the question is, uh, who else? Because it may not end up being Matt Damon. Who are your other two? When I was 16 or now? Could be either one. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, just right there alongside Matt Damon. I will say Ben Affleck. Great. Only because he hosted SNL when I was there. He was a dream. So funny, so charming. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's a good couple of guys right there. I'll throw those two guys on there. Who's number three? Who's number three? Boy, I am struggling with these pens today, guys. Struggling. Oh, my gosh. I mean... Should we throw Michael J. Fox on there? Yeah, Yeah. let's throw him on there. Put him on there. You know, I'm in love with Damon Wayans Jr. I'll throw him on there. Too bad you only have three. Oh, I have three. Okay. Um, except I can always get rid of one of these if you want me to replace with him and Wins. Yeah, let's Junior. let's MJF gone. Yeah. Sorry, Michael J. He has enough love from everyone. Yeah, you're right. Okay, what about um I like to play with the categories depending on what the conversation has been. Um what about a talent that you don't currently have that would be fun to have? Three. Like a skill. Like a could be instrument, could be singing like Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> That's very specific. Oh, my gosh. So many talents I wish I would have. Um, I, well, I love watching dance. I would yeah. love to be able to really dance. Dancer. Done. To be a dancer. More? Mm-hmm. Two more. I mean, there's a world, a scientist. Mm-hmm. I love it. Great. Love listening to my science podcast, but I'm... Do you listen to Radiolab? Of course. And I um, talk about it way too much. I feel like I could just talk about Radiolab. Uh, just I have a podcast where I just talk Times, about Science the podcast. NPR one that's on every Friday. I haven't listened. Science Fridays or something. Ooh, I, I yeah, gotta check it out. It's really good. Um, okay, scientist. Scientist. And... What if I was like homemaker? After <laughs> Listen, you could. <laughs> um, hey, there's nothing non-feminist about deciding that you there want to do There is nothing. That. Nothing non-feminist about that. Um, oh my gosh. Talent. I mean, it's close to what I do, but I would be interested in being like a, a, a news anchor. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Great. Well, I've pretty much done that and I just quit. So <laughs> you can take my job. Okay. Great. Um, 
Anchor woman, fantastic. Um, how about uh, <laughs> or like florist? I have a dream that I'll just like be running a small I, I used flower shop too. and like or like I work at a bakery and life is just I'm in New Mexico. And Those I'm just, are things I can totally and completely relate to, and I think that that's a common feeling for people who yeah why does it seem so appealing i don't know it probably isn't that i'm sure probably like super stressed because (laughs) you're all your plants in that shipment arrived dead i mean have you guys seen valentine's day ashton kutcher i believe works at a forest and he is crazed (laughs) well it's cracked up to be good you could change any of these but i'll keep it with the three that you have okay um however it's funny we'd say this because that's a that falls into a talent i just glanced down and realized that from this list i also have the option of you own a shop or boutique so i could do florist and bakery and then just one more great and i own bakery can it be like books yeah like a bookstore a little bookshop oh i love it okay that's great um uh okay how about how about if you could understand an animal like if you could communicate with an animal okay. i need three that you would want to be able to communicate whales with. love it because i was listening to a podcast and i heard that whales sing to each other they do sing they to do each sing other. and i just love that whales for sure dogs mm-hmm. yep I love everything in the water. Um, um, uh, I love bears. Bears. That's so great. <laughs> I, I just watched for the first time in, I can't even think of how long, the original Escape to Witch Mountain. Did you ever see that? Um, Disney movie? With Kim Richards and Kyle. Uh, uh, Kim Richards from Real Housewives yeah. of Orange County. I saw it when I was little. Yeah. It... I don't want to say it holds up necessarily. <laughs> well, Kim does not hold up on the Real Housewives of Orange County. I forgot, by the way, that they were the same person, and I got really sad when I was reminded that they are. But um, I—that's actually I feel bad with that movie. I feel, movie. Her, I, feel I it is a sad story. I feel uh, I was obsessed with that movie when I was yeah. little because I wanted so bad to have psychic powers. So bad did I want to have psychic powers. Um, okay, so those are great. That was absolutely terrific. How about like a, is there like a style of dress? And I like to. To extend this to um sometimes i like dudes clothes more than women's like i would go i just said this on the podcast but i would go don draper suit before i would go like a dress on for myself just in a fantasy speaking of mad men i love the way joan dresses so i'm gonna say joan on mad men okay just the red dress and i know it's so sensational I'm, i'm so in love with her as a performer, I, I yeah, Christina even. is fantastic. We were just talking about that because um, she was telling me that they that they finally switched over from actually using vintage shoes as well. Thank God, because for her to have to stand all day in like circa nineteen well, and I've got heels, these size ten uh, wides. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, there wouldn't even be there right. Would, they, they, well, there would be no option. They'd have yeah. to like. <laughs> Build me a <laughs> build you special shoes to put, these, to put on these boats. Um, okay, so Joan, love Joan it. On Mad Men. I'll, I'll say I love that Annie Hall look. Great, great. And I agree. I'm so into this look. I cannot pull it off with that kind of bohemian, edgy kind of Diane Kruger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of. It's like modern boho kind of. Yeah. Got it. Love it and got it. Um. What about if you were responsible for writing and composing the music to a musical? Like, 
you you created that like you wrote rent uh-huh. <laughs> what would your three be i've always wanted to write a musical about pageants Oh, so we're talking about things that you could actually... Oh, I was sort of talking about like something you love that I, I'm giving you responsibility for having created. Like a pre-existing... Oh, pre-existing. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to hear your ideas. I do want to hear your ideas. <laughs> but I do think that would be a good musical. Well, I think it's mean. a brilliant idea. I need a collaborator. No, no one take it. Um, I would do that Okay, previous works, I, I would say Gypsy first off the bat. Do you understand that I just pitched you on writing that musical together? Wow. I accept. Talk about I accept. I, I accept. Okay. Um, um, oh, sorry. Would you say gypsy? Great one. Which I also liken back to like the terms of endearment, mother daughter relationship, mm-hmm. which I'm very obsessed much so. with. How about, um, speaking of Shirley MacLaine, how about, uh, postcards from the edge? Don't I mean, even, I just get dropped the mic. I just dropped the mic. Yeah. Her and Meryl Streep's relationship. I want everyone who's just listening to just do a double header of postcards from the edge and terms of endearment. You won't leave your house for five days. I couldn't agree more. Oh I couldn't agree wow. more, guys. And these are the kind of listeners, by the way, who are smart, sensitive, savvy, and will do what you just suggested. Wow. I mean, that's quite a. And yeah. get yourself some hot tamales. Get a big box. That sounds good. You know when you said you that, know I what I will do is go to the actual tamales are. So I want to say, get yourself a dinner of tamales. <laughs> yeah, and, then and eat then, hot tamales. And I have been known, and I am not ashamed of this, is to drive to a movie theater and get some popcorn and then walk right out with it. And oh, take it that's home. so cool. That's a tip for me to you. That's, that's cool. a tip for me to you on a Sunday. I never do that. Like, I don't want to leave my idea. house, but I do want popcorn. I want to watch a movie, but you know, oh I'm God. really, I hold my head high when I leave. Not that high, but high enough. <laughs> high enough. Look, am I but trying listen, to, don't, don't people don't buy see a me. ticket to a lot of places to even be able to get in? Not in uh, Silver Lake. Um, I just say, Hey, I'm just grabbing something. I mean, look, it's strange. So and there's great. negotiations to be made while I you're love doing it. But, it but listen, you're right. Movie popcorn is always tastes better than microwave popcorn. It just does. I love it. I love what you just said. Gypsy. Gypsy. Um, these are all musicals, right? Yeah. Um, chorus line. This is just for you because you liked musicals. And sound right? music. Sound. Have you gone to the Sound of Music sing along? And um, I'm going this year for the first time. I went last year for the first time. I've never time. gone. I can't wait to go back. And I wasn't even a huge Sound of Music person growing up. You're gonna lose your mind. I played not to brag, guys. Maria in high school, and we nice. had real little kids, which always for some reason just charmed me and yeah. dazzled me. Yeah. That like I was performing with a third. That grader. is really cool. It was so cool. It was. <laughs> it's all been downhill, but it was a highlight. You got to be Maria. So fun. Great. Um, what about a? I thought I had one that I was really excited for to ask you, but now I can't remember what it was. Um, so instead I'm going to ask you, these are, listen, these are all good. Um, how about, uh, like where you're, where, where do you live? Where do you live? It's not LA. The dream. Yeah. Your dream, your dream where you live. Okay. Uh, Chicago. Great. Uh, the Amalfi coast. Love it. And my God, if everyone who loves the Amalfi Coast just went and lived there, it would fall into what the ocean would because everyone would live <laughs> in the Amalfi Coast. It would just crumble to the yeah. ground. Yeah. Uh, and um, 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 I'll say, sorry, this is so boring. boring. Um, it's not boring. I almost said uh, silence. I'll is say golden. Austin. Great town. Who doesn't love Austin? Um, someone doesn't love Austin. Will send me a tweet that's like, I don't love Austin. Austin. Uh, Okay, what? Save it. (laughs) And yeah, you know what? Go ahead and save it, guys. And then um, the last one I'm going to ask you is, what about like a sport? A sport that you wish you were good at. Three. Okay, I played this, but I am not good. I'm horrible, and I always wanted to be better at field hockey. Field hockey, very good answer. And. 
<laughs> what basketball. sport would you have given me that I would have been like, that's not a good answer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basketball. basketball. I wish I were good at basketball. I couldn't suck more. Okay. Can I do a sport I love? Yeah. I love. It's not really a sport. It is a sport. Ping pong. Ping pong. Great. Love. I really should have given you that ping pong table. I know. Table. That's why it's like you're hating on these gifts that um, other people would really I love. I know. Ugh, I've said a lot of things I'm ashamed of on this podcast. <laughs> so have I. It, but I mean, in the year I've been doing <laughs> yeah, it, I've just, said a lot of I've things. I've just said the last Okay. Hour. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. Um, pausing for a moment, coming back with your future. It's as simple as that. What do you got? I like what I'm seeing. First of all, what I just said when I said it's always nice when that works out is that you live in a mansion. <sighs> Thank you. That was always, when you played this as a kid, what, I mean, that was like, I, when I found out I lived in a shack, part of me it's felt like crying. I realized, oh my God, this is tough. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm not trying to make the best of this. Again. First world but in problem. this case, you live not in a shack, house, or apartment, but in a mansion. Where I belong. In a mansion, <laughs> you golden girl. Right now, I live in a duplex. Uh, things are looking up. <laughs> Already, you can't complain. Um, no. I'm going to assume that the mansion probably also has a basketball court in the backyard. Yes, God please. knows you can tear it up on the oh, court. I love it. Well done, you. And it, this also makes sense to me, too, because this is all taking place in Chicago. Ooh. So oh. my dad being from... Uh, by the way, my dad has no money because he was a school teacher and a writer. But um, being from an affluent neighborhood in Chicago, I will put you in maybe like Evanston, Illinois. I'll take it. And I'll take with it. your with your with doesn't that make sense? A mansion in the suburbs of Chicago with the basketball like court a great in the life. back. Sound so far so good. Your dad can live in the guest house. Side note: You're also an anchor woman in Ooh. Chicago. It's a very busy, bustling world. Yeah, it's busy, but yet I can. It's my house is my retreat. Your house, my well, mansion. I'll tell you. Not only is your house your your retreat, but so is your flower shop. So Whoa. someone else, someone else is dealing with all the flower shop headaches. I've got a you lot going on. You get to just on. go in and zen out and just put some arrangements together. Yeah, it's like J Lo opening a, a restaurant in L A. In this case, it's like, ha- have you guys been to Casey Wilson's flower shop? Everyone's like, it's so beautiful and gorgeous. I love. This. And then, and the name of the flower shop. Let's come up with something. We're both improvisers. We'll be like. All the all the news that's fit to flower. That's, that's the worst <laughs> that's thing I've really ever good. said. I love um, it. <laughs> it's really not. Um, I'll take it. Uh, uh, okay, so you own a flower shop. Fantastic. Um, and this this works for me also because although uh, your attire on your news program is probably eh, fairly conservative, you still have your own modern boho flair that you bring to it. And then when you're just kicking back in the flower shop, you know, seeing how everything's going in there, you can really let loose. I can really let loose and cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> so that also makes sense to me. Great. Um, the last three pieces of this quite lovely puzzle that are coming together. I mean, you haven't told me who I'm living in. That I haven't. Way. I'm going to save that for last. Okay. Um, uh, where does gypsy take place? Um, well, it's on the circuit of like vaudeville days. So in my mind, somehow that also works. The fact that like you wrote and you wrote and composed the music for gypsy. It, it, does it feels like Chicago being from Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's a real show busy type place. That's probably where you got your inspiration. <laughs> um, uh, and then in terms of another way to check out, I mean, I really can't think of a more remarkable, miraculous experience for you to have than to, you know, you need to get a little further away than just a flower shop. You head out to the ocean and you sing with the whales. <laughs> so congratulations nice. on that. Um, and then we're, we're going to get the really Who am I doing it all home. with? I want your As a news anchor, I'll turn these questions concerned. back on you. Yeah. 
I want your boyfriend to be very concerned because you have ended up with Damon Wayans Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how the rumor mill starts. Oh, honestly, this is a dream life. So that's how I'm not mad at any of for you. Everything, this alternate universe of yours is uh, just charmed. Charmed. Well done, you. Thank you. Well done, you, on the podcast. Thank you, Thank so, you much so much for, for doing having it. me. This was so fun. We went all over the map and I loved every <laughs> minute of it. And back. I loved every minute of it. You got a smoothie. Guys, CD can smoothie. I leave you with one thing? Yeah, please do. La Croix. It tastes oh, amazing. Jesus. Here oh. we go, guys. <laughs> it's bubbly. Casey, I can't believe you just... And so does stream available anywhere. This is really bothering me right now. Always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.